right, go ahead. Test, test, test. This is the Soul 101 podcast. Welcome to it, man. It's been about a year since we've documented anything in a podcast form. I'm with my co-host and my leather, Linda <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. That's me, Linda Lindsay Lohan, as he likes to call me. So, um, yeah, man, we're in Whittier, California now. Uh, we're in our garage, surrounded by history, and um, got the ball rolling, you know, uh, the whole COVID thing. I'm not even going to speak on that, but uh, it forced me to really focus on the seeds that I planted early on when I was a young lad and collector. A young lad. <laughs> I'm, now, yeah, I'm now reaping... I'm now picking the fruit off the ripened tree, and um, it's just good timing to be doing this. So what better time than to, like, you know, be older in the game, be wiser, and just to, like, you know, tell the stories of the past, the history, give it to you guys. Uh, And this ain't my first rodeo, as you guys know, some of you. I've had my podcast two years ago. I started this, and um, I think it was only a year ago. It was a year ago, but I mean, we were really hot and heavy like a year and a half, two years ago, when when it was really like really hot and heavy, and it kind of like lost. So you started doing your bar sessions at the house in Moreno Valley. Yeah, and then you did that for what about a year? Nah, maybe like six months. And then, um, and then you brought it to the B side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rabbit, you know, you know that whole story. Um, yeah. Rabbit was doing B side there from you know eight years, and and I told actually I think Rabbit tuned in one time when I was live at the house, and he was he just watched the whole thing, and he was like, "Wow, that's pretty pretty interesting, man, pretty dope." And I told him like, "Dude, like we should do this like at the B side. Like I could bring like the oldie crowd over and just you know cross bridges and bridge gaps." And introduce each other's cultures because hip hop culture and uh, oldies culture definitely go hand in hand. I mean, you can hear it in the music with the samples and and all that other stuff. Except, you know, I could give you the breakdown and the knowledge on the oldie side of it, the sample side of it. And in hip hop, it's like some big secret. Like the producers and the DJs who who are sampling that record, they don't want nobody to know what that is. It's like a right. huge secret. It's like the opposite. Like they're trying to keep that under their hat. Because that's their bread and butter, you know, in hip hop, it's rap, that's their beat. And, you know, once the sample gets out, then, like, they feel defeated, you know, like, oh, man, like, fuck. Somebody else could use it and flip it. Yeah, they're going to flip it better now. Or, you know, we got found out now. And in the hip hop culture, if you could succeed at keeping a sample a secret for like a decade or longer, like you, you're going to you're going to fool many, many millions of people that don't know the, the sample so you know guys like me who come in on the oldie aspect of it man i'm just picking these fucking producers apart and calling them out calling them out on every little fucking thing they're touching and they're just flabbergasted like how the fuck does this fool know this shit yeah. because there's a culture in our underground soul network that that's what we do we're like fucking vinyl archaeologists like we just <laughs> happen to know anything about that do you think they do that because they want trying to fool people into thinking it's their own music yes 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 i mean of course the people know it's not their own music but people like you yeah people like me and even even like people that ain't as into it as me i'm sure they know that that's not really the hip-hop music that they created but yeah man the the whole the whole hip-hop thing in my point of view when it comes to all that is like pull the wool over your eyes you know that's 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 the name of the game in that culture yeah and in our culture is the exact opposite like we're trying to share and expose and, and let the world know like who that is who's singing it and what hip-hop artists are fucking using it and how they're just like being culture vultures how they're just like raping our culture because we can't really rape hip-hop culture like you know what i mean so we're right, get, we're getting right. invaded on you know or not me i mean i'm not the artist i'm not the singer of these songs but like I, i'm that passionate about it that's why i speak in that tone about it like when i say us or we or me um so yeah so anyways me and rabbit um it was a great idea he, he was on, totally on board with it and we 
I did a call for a bartender, you know, um, got the bartender, had a few auditions or not even auditions, but, you know, I had a few people hit me up and then, um, Kena just, just, she just happened to hit me up and, and had all the right answers. Like my husband, you know, he could build you a bar and like, she just threw things out there for me that I'd even like, wow, like she's really like, you know, like this, is, yeah, I need a bar. <laughs> like, yeah. So her husband built the bar and like at the B side, and um, yeah. And now it's sitting in our garage. Yeah, she yeah she just stuck with it and um, she was the bartender and it went very well. Like, and, and it's it was kind of cool because she wasn't really from the soul scene, so right. she wasn't like uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Calm, she not, was. She was like. She was still kind of maybe jaded, like. She was still like jaded means jealousy, right? What do you no. mean jaded? What's jaded mean? Like it wasn't like she was like not like your groupie or like she wasn't right, right, right. Yeah, she was very gray. You know, like there was no like jaded. Yeah, she was very. Um, it's not like she had anything. She didn't know what the fuck we were even doing. Like she had she no just idea. Wanted to be a bartender. Yeah, she was just strictly a bartender, and that's exactly what I was looking for. She didn't have no influence on anything you know so that was that was pretty organic in itself she liked the music she liked the music she She ended up growing to like it she's actually told me she i mean she you know anybody who lives here in la east la i mean i don't give a fuck if you're a punk rocker heavy metal guy like you grew up hearing oldies yeah yeah. at some point or some way your cousin your tío your tía like you grew up parents yeah Yeah. you grew up with oldies in your household so like same story with her Mm -hmm course she knew some of the music but she didn't just know that she didn't know the depth of it that we were bringing right so yeah we did the b-side thing and uh that was really great that was fucking epic man we ended up having bands show up we we got gabe roth of daptone records and then we found out his little backstory that he had like this band for like two years just like they were just doing their own thing like totally underground before like here we are like two years later and they got this whole other label going on called penrose and it's like sweeping this fucking soul scene by its storm they have five bands on the label already they got like leos los yesterdays uh, out of pasadena and altadena uh, vic and all those guys uh, those are the original members that that gabe roth was actually playing with was the los yesterdays yeah those were his band and then mike and I you know, I I just knew Gabe Roth was the the main Daptone guy who like put together Charles Bradley and Shirley, what's her name? Um, rest in peace. Fuck, I'm having bad. Shirley Jones? No. No. Sharon Jones. Shirley. Sharon Jones. That's a, he has his own documentary Sharon. in his own in his own right. Like he right. goes back to the '90s in New York. But he's originally here from California, from Riverside, what I learned. You know, yeah. I, I thought he was some New York dude the whole time. But no, he, he he went to New York when he was a teenager and ended up just doing his thing over there. And I got a chance to interview him. And he plays records, too. He's also a record collector, soul and funk. Like, the dude's just all the while well-rounded. And um, here he is with the Los Yesterdays. And they were just cutting music and... They they didn't really know about the scene that 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 we had going on in the uh, in the sweet soul scene. You know they 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 knew about it. They knew about the Chicano culture and the and the oldies, but they didn't know that this underground vinyl collecting culture was bubbling right under their fucking nose. Like right. they, they didn't even fucking know it. So when we met, I mean, he finally opened his eyes and seen like what the fuck, how deep it really was. So. He's like, yo, man, like me and my band lost yesterday. He's like, we're going to, like, it, I, th- I think it sparked the fire under Gabe Roth to really, like, start that Penrose label and start releasing their material and start looking for bands because that's when bands were barely emerging. It's like timing, man. The timing, right. the timing was just so perfect because you had the, you had uh, Joey Quinones with uh, the lead singer of, Man, my memory's going. I the know. lead singer of uh, usually I'm spot on and snappy with it, but uh, yeah, I've been kind of like out of it. Uh, the lead singer of 
the no, not the Sacred Souls. They were the next the group sinceres? I was gonna make. The Sinceres. There you go. Yeah, I couldn't remember that for the life of me <laughs> if you didn't say that. Yeah, the Sinceres. Joey Quinones. I hope I said his last name right. But yeah, him. Um, they were like barely up and coming and singing at backyard parties. You know, same thing with Sacred Souls. Like they were. They were doing little bar venues and little tiny venues where like 30, 40 people would go see them. And you already knew like it was so organic and so dope because they were like they had they had tight bands. You know, that's all. If you have a good band and they were doing the grunt work, the leg work. Yeah, they did all the leg work. So and then you have seasoned Daptone record, you know, producer Gabe Roth. He's a guitar player, bass player. A really good one. Yeah. And him and Mike, you know, um, the other Mike, uh, he was in the band for Sharon Jones and Charles Bradley. Like he yeah. was the main guitar guy for that group for the past decade. Like, how could you fuck with that? Like, you can't. Right. Even even Gabe Roth was one of the the band members who played for Sharon Jones when they were touring the world. So here you got world class musicians touring the world, who are now just kicking around the can and, and doing little bullshit. Uh, with Los Yesterdays, well, not bold, not not disrespectfully saying, but you know, just kicking around the can and having fun, killing time with Los Yesterdays and Vic, and um, yeah, man. So uh, I was that's when bar sessions was going on at the B side, and I reached out to Gabe Roth, and he came down. That. He came down to get interviewed. He actually lived in Riverside at the time, and I lived in Reno Valley, so. It wasn't actually too far, and he was doing a night thing. He was doing a DJ spot at the tavern. Uh, yeah, it was the, the what was it called? Worthington's Tavern. Worthington's Tavern in downtown Riverside. Yeah. Long behold, times. yeah, long behold on a Wednesday and Thursday night. I mean, it was like so Cracking. hush hush. It was him, and he was just playing records, and he was booking like just local DJs I never heard of, but um. He but finally. He it was it was cool for like Wednesday Thursday. It was a cool little vibe. You know, yeah. I worked I worked swing shift, so after work I would at ten thirty at night or get off work and I would shoot straight over to um, Riverside. Yeah. Get there about eleven thirty, get a drink or two in me, and you know shake hands and hugs and positive vibes and <laughs> yeah with all the guys there and um, it became like a a cool little hangout. You know, Waxy Gordon, Sick Jack ended up going and. They became in rotation, and I, you know, all of I started like, intro, you know, I played there and I broke, kicked the door down open for that spot, and introduced Gabe to really like the main heavy hitters in the Sweet Soul scene, like mm-hmm. Mike Noriega and his son, you know, Waxy Gordon, and then you know more and more Rude Blue, people who lived in Riverside. You had Ryan, you know, people from the Funk Freaks, Funk Freaks yeah, Ryan, and uh, you know, just people like that were. You know, playing there, and it was all love, man. It was for no clout, no nothing. Just Thursday night, whether ten or twenty people were there, man. We we rocked it, like like if it was a fucking Saturday night. Yeah, so, it was um, actually usually pretty crowded. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. So Gabe seen that firsthand, and, and Gabe being a producer and in the business, like I'm sure he sniffed something good out of it. Yeah. Like whoa, like this is this this what's going on for real? Yeah. And then we, you know, he would. I guess he ended up going to other nights or he started joining. He wasn't even on social media, really. I think he got a social media page and, and he, then he started really, you know, sniffing around and seeing like, whoa, like this scene is fucking like, this is what I've been dreaming of. This is what I've been looking for. This yeah. is what we need. This yeah. is what I was hoping would exist so I could continue doing what I did in New York with Daptone. Now that I live here in L.A., like, man, I could tap into this and keep feeding uh you know this culture what i'm good at right and that's what he did and uh, it just so happened he already had a band little yesterdays and then now he signed the sacred souls and they're from state they're from san diego and all these bands just kind of slowly emerged and did the footwork doing little bar venues backyard parties little private things and with instagram and everybody trying to sing and and i don't mean i don't say that in a bad way but that's just how it was you know right. groups were emerging um what else the altons came to be um you had another group um i can't remember but then and then uh yeah jason joshua he's from fucking miami florida and he came down here because he was getting all the love in los angeles and california so they flew down here to perform 
their shit rather than mm-hmm. in in Miami, Florida, because there's no soul scene like there is out here in Cali. So everybody's eyes and ears were on Los Angeles and California, and even Northern California. You know, wherever there's a solero, solera, a record collector, that's that's where it's cracking. Yeah. For artists and um, yeah, man, the record collectors within those communities embrace all music, especially the new what they call modern soul music, which these guys fall into that category of what we call modern soul because you know they're just like new groups singing that old sound. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm just rambling on here. But uh, yeah. Rambling. So here we are. We got Penrose and we got like five groups now on this label they're releasing 45s they're fucking selling out like every time they drop a 45 single like it's sold out sold out sold out and now they're selling out shows but of course you know i hate using the p word you know i hate to bring keep bringing up the fucking pandemic and and coronavirus but man right when this fucking train was taking off the station this pandemic hit yeah and like put the yeah it pumped the brakes on all these guys doing tours because if this pandemic never hit these guys would have been like sharon jones and charles bradley right now these guys would be on top of the world right now and they're gonna be you know as soon as this shit is over if we if we ever get back to normalcy like we don't even know what's gonna happen now we don't even know what the fucking new normal is gonna be with gatherings and people and uh you know thousand people gatherings so fingers crossed that we could just you know there's this old uh at least book. go back to semi-normal. Yeah, there's. I mean, hopefully, there's this. Old, there's this old book. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it, there's like a. There's a guy who like, in the eight, 1983, he wrote pretty much about what's going on. And he pretty much predicted the future. It's like it's almost like if he was a time traveler. Anyways, in the book, he mentions this very flu that it was going to come out of Wuhan, China. It was going to infect the world. And people were, were going to die and it was going to be all crazy. This dude predicted this in the book. It's written. But he also says, I mean, if you want to believe the book and believe what, what this dude had to say, he says it's going to disappear as fast as it came. So hopefully, hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully it disappears like the guy wrote in this book because he's making it. He, yeah, he made it sound like he goes. This pandemic is going to destroy the world in a matter of time. He goes, but it's going to disappear and fall, and it'll be forgotten about, and everybody's basically going to go back to normal. And this epidemic and this pandemic will, will go, you know, disappear as fast as it came. So, yeah. if if that book's true, man, I'm hoping for that scenario to be true because then yeah. we could just go back to everything. Me. But in the book too. Uh, he does say that 10 years later, it's going to come back with a vengeance, with the vengeance. Yeah. And it's going to take 10 years and then the pandemic will be back with the vengeance. So, I mean, but all we could do is just party on those next, these next 10 years <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> until that happens. That might be the end of our world right there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, man, there's this crazy scene going on. So that's why this podcast kind of exists is because we, there's really no one t- giving in-depth talk about it i mean you see it on instagram you see people reposting and i'm sure people talk about it but it's not officially being documented it's not officially being recorded and said uh by like-minded people as myself and you guys obviously tuned in because it's what's going on and it's it's a known fact and i'm just somebody who's here to um put it out there you know help bring it to the forefront yeah bring it to the forefront you know so that's what this so. podcast is about but it's beyond that man it's been on everything it, this podcast is about um like i said we have a very deep underground scene with this record collector movement that started back in the 90s it probably even went before the 90s honestly but um it had to have. I mean, yeah of course it did been, yeah of course i don't okay i want to hear your opinion like you, you, like linda she doesn't really know she's just like she doesn't know what I know, so I, I, she's probably she's probably the voice for you guys who really don't know, who believe like, well, there's records that since 1969. So no. why do you keep saying the 90s? Well, please enlighten well, us, and I'll and I will give you my answer. It's very simple. Yeah, well, and the 90s is when you guys are. Yes. So so yeah. So I mean, it's when everybody started bringing the music like 
back. I mean, it's always obviously always been around. And it was okay, well, first of all, the music has been around, but again, still, it really hasn't been around. You know, people think, well, this music was abundant in the '60s because it was made in the '60s. Right. But I honestly, honestly, it was yeah, exactly. It wasn't abundant. I mean, it existed in the '60s, but no, it wasn't being played on the radio. It wasn't abundant the way you think because of the word abundant. Right. That means in abundance means like a lot of stuff. Right. These were bands. These were groups. And they were paying out of their own pocket. So they couldn't press that many like unless they were signed by a record label. A major label. A a major label. Like they were. It's just like nowadays. Like it's the same thing. Right. You you know, you got. okay. you got like. um. I don't know, like, I'm from the, I'm, I'm older, so, like, I don't know, I'll just use, like, the rappers that I remember that were big. You got, like, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, and, um, you got, uh, you know, 50 Cent, right? You know, those are major names. Well, that's exactly how it was in the 60s. You have Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, you have Dramatics, Bloodstone, Blue Magic, Dalphonics, right? Right. They ruled the radio, but of course... There was an underground soul scene, just like there's an underground hip hop scene. Right. Yeah, you got you know Snoop Dogg, Fifty Cent, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube running the radio, but there's still a deep hardcore underground hip hop movement with thousands of artists, right? Who are hip hop artists, and yeah. they're just as dope, if not doper. So it's just the same fucking thing. So what happened was. In the 70s, these guys recorded music, and they only made maybe 100 or 500 records. Those records never hit the radio. Those records never hit even record stores, for that matter. These records basically went to friends and family. Maybe they sold at local gigs a few, you know, maybe a couple dozen. It was like, that was like the tape or the CD of the day. Right. So, I mean, yes, of course, you know, without those artists, this music would never exist but at the same token without collectors doing the footwork and the research and looking for this particular kind of music this underground shit and then bringing it to surface bringing it to light and sharing it with the rest of the world re-interjecting it that all happened in the 90s when the cd format came into play that's when it really took off and that's when it really reached the masses because that's when people like the whole tape thing switched over to um cds and cds just had this whole different like wow factor to it you had able to take all the best music and put it all on one format yeah where you could hear everything instead of like you know putting it on a put on a record a 45 only holds two songs an lp holds way more but yeah it was just technology you know just technology growing and 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 it just so happened that the 90s is when it's like it's like it's like universal timing like like i can't explain it it just happened like the universe put it together to happen that way there's no way i could explain it like there was there was only a handful of collectors doing that kind of footwork and work and research and bringing it to the table and at the same exact time technology allowed them to share that music yes with the masses on a massive scale yes because i hear people argue the fact with me too no homie in the 70s and in the 80s my my jefito and my tios they were making tapes okay that's cool yeah they're making tapes i get that i i remember that i'm not going to take away from the whole tape thing but you got people trying to claim that 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 those people are the ones who really are the uh, the godfathers of this soul scene but they're not because those tapes they only made so many maybe like what i don't know maybe like 10 homies got a tape and maybe Let's just say 10 of those homies copied that tape for like 10 other homies. Okay, so you got 100 tapes circulating around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And you're like a local neighborhood legend. Okay, cool, man. Like, dope. But you know what, man? When the CDs came out, we made thousands of CDs. Tens of thousands of CDs. And then those got passed around. And that's what reached the masses. That surpassed 
the reach of the tape. Yeah. So, in my opinion, because people like to throw it in my face, like, well, you're nobody, bro. You came in, you, I, honestly, like, my homie was doing this shit in, like, 84. You, you did this in 96. You're nobody. I'm like, okay, that's true. Maybe I'm nobody. But what I did reached the masses and your homie didn't. Sorry. Like, yeah. That's just a fact. And it's not my fault. It was God's, like, perfect timing. Like I said, it was God's divine timing that in the 90s, there just so happened to be a group of collectors and me included. And it just so happened that technology changed and and we were able to reach the masses with that timing and that technology. And and you and that was the gold. That's the golden era of, of sweet soul right, right there. That's and and you put in the legwork as well oh, yeah, as yeah, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. all the music out to the Places. yeah we did all the legwork like we like we, we saw the vision and, and and we executed we're like yo this is this is something here like like this is it's all fine and dandy to do a tape but are you gonna yeah those guys who did tapes yeah those yeah those guys didn't get it in a record yeah, the, store yeah those or? exactly these dudes who did tapes I, I you know they didn't go to the fucking tape factory and make ten thousand and distribute it to the record stores and you know, no, none, they, none didn't of have, well, they probably didn't have the ability to do that. Right. So it took a, the right people to make that happen. Well, like I said, it took the right people and the right timing right. for it all to happen. Right. Because in the 90s, it just so happened. Like I said, I told my story already. I was flipping through a magazine and I seen it say, um, you know, get your tape transferred onto CD. Because my dad, you know, I'm guilty as charged. My dad and his homies. That's what they were doing. They were making tapes. That's what I grew up to. Those those custom doo-wop tapes. That that's you know I can't take away from the tapes, but I could I could vouch that the tapes aren't the ones that changed the minds. The tapes didn't reach the masses. The tapes uh, they did touch minds, but it it just wasn't enough to change the world. What yeah. we did in the '90s and how we did it 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 changed the world. Yeah. I mean, look, here we are 25 years later look around and and that's what we're talking about this look around look look behind you i mean it all stems back to i'm not gonna say me but i'm i'm definitely one of the dudes who who is responsible for you know putting a helping hand into that right. i've already interviewed some of the guys who in my opinion um you know are the godfathers of the rare sweet souls that's i i i really want to say that you know it is the difference between rare sweet soul and then just your common soul or oldies or you know that kind of music so that that's that's a whole different genre that's what we're talking about here that's what that's what this podcast exists that's why it's called the rare sweet soul like podcast we're speaking on this particular movement right and there's a lot of you who are very interested in it. And there's a lot of you who really don't know all the backstories. You, some of you came, some of you are just, there's just the age gap. You know, I'm a little bit older. I'm 40 something years old. And a lot of you guys, some of you who are 30, 32, 24, you know, you guys weren't around in the nineties. So you, you don't know that you, you just came in and, and you came into the social media and it was happening all over the place. So you, it's not your fault you don't know the rules you know yeah and i hate to make it sound like there's rules but let's be let's be honest man there's rules and everything mm-hmm. you join a car club there's rules you join a football team there's rules you join a baseball team you got to follow rules you know any kind of thing you join there is rules um some of the collectors the newer ones coming in this like um i'm not down talking nobody but it just seems like they think there's no rules you know and then when when someone likes, you know, when they get big enough, or they don't care about the, rules. or they don't care about the rules, yeah, and and they make a when they start getting popular or you know on Instagram or social media, and then they start catching the attention of the OGs, and then we start speaking up and pointing out how they're doing it without any care about the rules, and then we impose our rules and and make examples of people, then they get all their feelings hurt. Yeah, like oh god like who's high fucking high, making fun of me and, 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 and. <laughs> like dude like if you want to come into a scene like do your homework or at least know what the fuck's going on in a scene before you think you could just you know 
gangbuster it and do whatever you want with no repercussion because you're crazy bro you're crazy to think that you know i would never join a chevy clark club and and bring in my ford right and tell them no motherfuckers you're gonna accept me with my ford and if they don't accept me with my ford then what then that's like me crying about it on social media like oh they're not letting me in because i have a ford i mean i know it's all chevy club but we got to change this. We, they have to let me in with my Ford. That's exactly what's going on in the soul scene right now. And, you know, I ain't, I don't think that I ain't having that. And I don't think a lot of the OGs are having that. Like, I don't think anybody's having that kind of change. That's just that's just not going to happen anytime soon. Not while I'm breathing. <laughs> and, and like I said, man, I'm not putting no one down. I'm just putting it all into perspective. I'm just... Uh, you know, I'm not hating on no one either. I'm, I do this out of love, honestly. I'm trying to like teach people about this scene because I love it so much, and I, and and I want to do it right, you know, and righteously, the way it should be done, not all half-assed or phony baloney. And and the scene, man, there's it's like a battle. Like there's so many new people coming into the scene, and they don't know the rules, so they're making up their own rules. And then you have those newbies teaching newbie newbies who are newer than them teaching them their new rules it's like the blind leading the blind yeah you got the babies having babies and then like they're like way outnumbering all the og guys and we didn't have time enough to pass it down and teach it properly so you got all these young yahoos out there like the wild west and then now we look bad the ogs look like now we look like we're wrong because there's 10 of us who think a certain way and there's a you know there's 180 of you guys who see it a different way and you all believe that way and now we look like we're hating so it, it's like bizarro world it's backwards so in your opinion why is it so important to like for yourself you collect uh like the good what do you how do you call it the uh what? you don't do reissues yeah i collect the originals you uh, collect the originals so why is it so important for people that collect to collect the originals okay like if so, okay uh-huh yeah talk for like me like to me music is music no matter where how it comes and what form and where it comes from as long as it's good music i'm gonna listen to it correct but for you you're more of a purist this is the word me i'm a collector so uh that's what I'm saying, man. This whole thing got so changed up. This whole scene got so changed up that even the definition or word of collector don't even mean what it used to mean anymore. You know, a collector by default was already a purist. If you were considered a collector in the 90s and early 2000s, you were already a purist because you're a collector. A collector means you're collecting or it's the whole point of collecting. Right. You're collecting the first original item. You know, that's why you're collect. It's a collectible item. You're not collecting something that's phony. Like, who's going to collect phony stuff? It's not worth it. has no value to it. So, to be called a collector, to wear that badge of being called a collector, well, those are the, those are the things you respect and uphold. You know, you, you follow that culture to the T and, and you follow those rules. Uh, that you got taught and passed on to you a collector uh collect strictly originals if he can and if he doesn't collect an original then he acknowledges and teaches the rest like hey uh, i got a second issue and this is why or i got the reissue but um there's also levels to this uh, as time changed on but originally a collector just basically means you collect the original so let's fast forward 10 years into the scene and you got all these new beats coming in and they can't afford the originals now right because originals are really expensive they're really expensive because there's only so many originals in the world same thing with same thing with baseball cards you know there's only so many babe ruth baseball cards in the world there's only so many daryl strawberries that are the rookie card there's only so many don mattingly's there's only so many jackie robinson cards that are original you know and then every year you know the you you have these baseball card conventions and and all the all the guys who respect that culture of collecting baseball cards they get together and they show off their original baseball cards 
you know, how's it going to look if somebody showed up with a fake Babe Ruth and, 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 and tried to, like, pass off that that's an original? Those guys would eat him alive and kick him the fuck out of that fucking venue if he tried to do that. Well, it's the same thing in soul music. It's the same thing with records. So that's why for me, I collect the original records because that's just who I am. I'm a collector. So I don't have a problem, honestly, with anyone collecting reissues or second pressings. Anybody can collect what the, you know, buy whatever the fuck they want. Right. You can buy whatever you want, play whatever you want to death. Just don't call yourself a collector. See, like, I have records, but I don't... I buy records that I like, and I don't really care about, like you said, like, yeah, you don't. Originals. Yeah, you don't care. You just like the song, and that's yeah, that. And yeah, that's fine. It. There's people like that. There's, but I don't refer to myself as... Okay, well, that's yeah. the thing. You got people now on Instagram... Um, they they tapped in. They understand that there's a market for this, that there's popularity to be a collector, because... You know, to go see someone spin, the terminology used, oh, I'm going to go see the spinner or this collector play his records. So a lot of these people who, like yourself, who just like the music, right away they they want to put the badge on that they're a collector. Oh, I'm a record collector. I'm a, I'm a vinyl collector. And then they tell the rest of the world, they tell their following on Instagram. And some of these people got like 20, 30,000 people that follow them. Yeah. So they tell the world that they're collectors when in fact they're really not collectors. And then it confuses people like people following them, you know, and then you you got these people bashing the OGs us about we're the record police and who cares. And uh, it's all about the music and it is all about the music. But you know what? Just don't call yourself a collector. That's yeah. my only beef. Don't 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 put your name on a bill that you're a record collector. Just put that you're like a, you know, just if it's all about the music, then why are you guys even collecting records? Like, what's the point? If you're not going to collect the original record, why, why, why play the part? Like, why, why like spin vinyl? Like, why not just play the CDs or play the MP3s if it's all about the music? If it's truly just all about the song, why do you need to have the 45 playing? Because it's a look. You want the look of an OG collector and you could get that look for a, a tenth of the price yeah. and buying the reissue and buying the phony baloney and then you want to lie to everybody and say that you're a collector and then you know when you tell that to someone people think you're like a righteous collector they believe like oh this, this is the real deal like she's the real deal or he's the real deal because he has the vinyl and they and these the general population have no idea about this scene and how it how it works and that's what this podcast is yeah, about and like, the general population doesn't care as long as you're playing what they want right. to hear they don't really care yeah and, and that's exactly and that's where the problems arise. and that's another reason play the fucking mp3 or play the cdjs you know like do that since these since the public don't really care about you know um but i think but you know what the public does care now the ones that go to the shows yeah care. the public does kind of care because they want to see like turntables they want to see like needle hit the record they yeah. want to see all that. So, I mean, they kind of the do care. Go to, the ones that go to your show, yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or, like, shows that are, like, the this, ones. Okay. How about this? The whole Chicano culture. If you're Chicano in Los Angeles, San Jose, if you're Chicano in any of those cultures, you, chances are you know what's up about vinyl. You heard about it. Even if you're young, you, you hear about it. You see it now. Your parents, your tias, your whatever. Like, it's part of the culture, you know. So, when you go to a bar, it's just different to see someone playing records than someone doing a CDJ or or, or a thing. And that's why these phonies um, do that. You know, they want to pretend they're collectors, play the part of a collector, spend records like they're a collector. And they have the whole public fooled that they're collectors, you know, and, and that's and they're getting called out here on this show because that's not. Don't call yourself. I mean, you could do that. There's no rules against that. Do that. Go ahead. But just let people know that you're phony. You, you should have like a uh, you're um, you should be telling the people every time you play a record, like you should be paying homage to the real collectors. And then you should be also like telling your public, your following like, hey, I'm not a collector. I just love the music. 
I'm not I'm nowhere near these guys who are really collectors. Hats off to these guys who really about the culture. They're really about this shit. I just appreciate the music and I like to play it on the vinyl format. And I'm not a collector. I'm a music enthusiast. You know, they should be saying that once a week to their audience. Because yeah. they, they get new followers every week. So they should be reminding everybody once a week that they're not the real deal. If that would happen, then, hey, cool. And then the real collectors would get the respect because then the audience, you know, the general public would be like, well, okay, well, they're not. Well, then the general public, eventually they're going to want the real deal. They're going right. to be like, well, hey, well, if this person's saying she's not real and, and and she's not OG, but she keeps talking about these guys who are OG and giving homage to those dudes who collect, well, I want to go hear them. Like, fuck, fuck this person. Like, I want to see. So that's, that's, that's where they pull the wool at, over everybody's well, eyes. Well, at the end of the day, the people nowadays, I think, that are collecting the young, especially the younger ones, are doing it to make a name for themselves or try to get famous off of it. Yeah. So. But like I said, they, they're trying to get famous off of it. And you got some of these newbies too, man. They're older dudes or you got guys who really have a passion for this music. I mean, we all have a passion. Passion's a really like weird word. Right. Because, I mean, it gets thrown around a lot. It does. But, um, you got guys who are like in their 30s, 40s, whatever, and, you know, they got money. They got good jobs. You know, we're older in life. We don't have debt like we used to or whatever. And, you know, we could afford, you know, those dudes could afford to drop a K on a record like nothing. And they could get those crazy records that, that, that the OGs have, you know, that the OGs help discover and bring to light. And those are the same records that are worth hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands of dollars. Now you got these youngsters in this and, th- and they're catching on to guys like me who call people out. So they don't want to get called out. So, uh, so it makes them. So now they're following the rules. And, and you know what? Hats off to them. I give that respect. You know, I mean. Yeah. I give that respect a lot more than I do the phony baloney um, imitators. You know, they get more respect because at least, I mean, yeah, they got the money and they're just buying their way in this, but at least they're doing it right. You know, at least they're upholding the tradition and the value of being a record collector. Like I can't hate on someone because he has a hundred grand and he's going to buy all the fucking records. I wish I had, and he has them now and he's making a name. Well, you know what? He can, this is America make your name bro because you got original records you got the og format you got the real deal like yeah you didn't you didn't collect for 20 years you weren't here in the 90s but none of that really matters anyways hats off to you bro like at least you're at least they're um respecting the 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 basic rule and that's all it takes that's all it gets that's all it takes for me to respect you respect the basic rule and uh we're good you know uh, so yeah, man. There's a lot of, there's a few people in here that are that that do that, and um, that's perfectly fine with me, man. I I can't hate on that. You know, I I wish I was in those shoes to do that, <laughs> and I'm not. But uh, would you really be at this point in your life? At this point in my you life, had no. Money at your disposal for records, would you still be buying them? If S- certain records only. I I don't think I would be buying every little damn thing. You know, because. Or would I you can't be explain buying it. them just to make more CDs or more vinyls? Or I don't, I, you know, these guys have such a fire under their ass. And I remember that fire that I used to have. And I'm no longer there, man. Like, these people won't know what I'm talking about until they're doing this for 20 years, if they even stick with it that long. Yeah. You know, there's not too many collectors either that who who stick with this for 20 years or more. You know, it's, you know so I've seen some collectors that came in hot and heavy lasted three or four years and now that they're gone they disappeared they're not even they're not they sold their collectors collections and they went back to the car club scene and they went back to spending their money and their on their car and they no longer have records and they're no longer on flyers their names are no longer to be seen so i mean you know not too many people could last 20 years in this so and my honestly right now there's a few records I would like to own just because I've been chasing them for for so long and I never owned them. I would get those out of the way if I, if money was not a thing. But I definitely wouldn't be buying all these records. You know what? I've had a lot of these records already. A lot of these records that these new guys are fighting over, or 
jumping the prices up. Like I've already had that record 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, it, in some cases, I was the one who broke that record to the world. You know, and you were playing it when it was relevant. Now, yeah, I was sadly play- nowadays. Like, yeah, now, now it's just a big fad. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Now you can only play to an Instagram audience. You know, right? You can't so, play it live. You can't. Yeah, so um, my my flavor rules. has changed. Um, I think I'm more just about in this point in my life. I'm probably more about just giving back or sharing the knowledge or sharing sharing my experience, and then bringing on collectors to come on board here and and talk about where they're at because I've been on every spectrum of this collecting rainbow. Right. So I, you know, rainbow. whoever I bring on, if they, you know, wherever they're at and they're collecting life I, I could i could i could go right back to their shoes because i've been there right so i could like i could like remember I could, I could i could you know relate to everything they're talking about on every level of this uh, i'm at the end of the end of the level you where, could be, and you could offer yeah. advice or yeah, I could whatever. Offer advice so i know your phone is always blowing up with people <laughs> asking you about this and this that and the other yeah and i'm not the only one you know i'm not gonna i know even on i was i'm uh, i'm not the only guy doing this true there's pe- there's plenty of people who have great knowledge in this scene i'm not the only i'm not trying to preach and tell you guys i'm the all-knowing and i'm the only guy who could like set the record straight no but i mean i'm the only one who took initiative to get this podcast going and get this going i, w- I would love to see other collectors with the same kind of knowledge Start your podcast, man, and, and, and I would like to hear what you guys have to say and talk about. And Hopefully, I could even be a guest and go on and you guys could pick my brain because I'm the one picking your guys' brains. No one really picks my brain, but I kind of I tell you where I'm at anyways as I talk, you know, so I'm kind of like picking my own brain and uh, letting you know where I'm at with everything. But, yeah, man, this new season's going to kick off. And I hope to continue on with bringing, um, like, Rich, uh, Richard Sneed from Norwalk Records, uh, Mario and his dad um, of East Sounds of Music, East Los Angeles. I want to bring on people, not just record collectors, but I, I want to bring other avenues to the table about how this whole scene really unfolded. And these are record store owners. You know, Richard Sneed owned Norwalk Records. It's been a record store, CD store here in Los Angeles County since 1959. And he's the original owner. He opened in 1959 and he's still here to talk about it. I mean, I would love to interview Richard and just, he remembers, you know, to pick his brain. But of course, I'm not going to like waste the hour and a half that i'm gonna have with him on like the 50s 60s 70s and 80s nah this is a rare soul podcast so we're gonna talk about the 90s you know and i'm sure he's gonna have a lot of input to share with you guys about how he remembered the 90s and and what impact it had for his store and 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 how financially it changed his life you know because this this scene has changed a lot of people's lives man yeah and and norwalk is like one of the biggest chains down here and uh, and same thing with sounds of music uh i'm gonna get sounds of music in mario and his dad carlos and pretty much ask them the same rundown that i'm gonna run by richard you know like how did the souls how you know how did the 90s rare sweet soul scene change the dynamic of everything in the 90s when you guys were selling music it and they used to tell me i used to get christmas cards in the mail thanking me for the music i was selling them because you know they were like doing really bad and when these cds hit it just like brought it brought the, literally brought them out of debt like no it changed, the game, it changed the game and and they were they got rich these people they were bugging us to keep coming out with cds honestly um you know, there was a point where we were dropping CDs like every three months. Lost Soul was. And same thing with Gangsters of Harmony, man. It was like we were dropping CDs like left and right, left and right. We were just dropping them every like three months, six months. We're dropping a new volume. And honestly, you know, the, the, the real reason why we were dropping them like that, why we were dropping CDs so fast. 
because we could have we could have took our time with it yeah. that was the initial plan like i was gonna drop a cd and maybe like let it run its course let people get tired of it and, and, and let it and and resell it repress it a few times and like you know let it run its course but no you know why we kept like every three months every six months because richard sneed at no rock records carlos and mario at sounds of music the demand for our music was so high richard would call hey george man this, you guys got another one coming out yeah i got yeah man and and that was our that was our fault we didn't know but we right. would we would spill the beans to these guys oh man i got enough records to do like 15 volumes oh man please oh shit what are you get out of here and we're like, we're like yeah like we got enough records to like keep this going like drop 15 16 20 volumes oh man like you got so once they found out that out like they were insisting bugging us after two months they would even stop buying our fucking volume one and they they would lie even lie even if it was still a hot tamale and people were going in there buying it they would tell they would and I, I i've talked to these guys i know how they played the game nah man people were asking for volume two already what volume two already yeah man we need that volume two you guys better get on that so we were forced by the record stores pretty much to continue make dropping these cds like every three to six well, months supply and demand yes so that's why some people ask like why were you guys dropping cds so fast and honestly we, we we built a personal relationship and a business relationship with these stores and they would call us on the phone and talk to us privately like we had a personal and a business relationship like i'm talking you know we were a client we there was like big cahoots going on and they were the driving force that were really crying about making you know telling us hey man we we need the next volume and us as collectors we weren't ready to drop the next volume but because we felt obligated to come out with the next volume because if not things were going so great and you know we didn't want to mess up our business and personal relationship with our buddies and you know so we just we just went along with it and we were dropping cds like every six months but not because we wanted to it was because the, the demand for it the demand for it by the record store and by the people and, the and people then the people mostly. got used to it the people got used to like after a few uh after that pattern you know people were used to like a new cd dropping every three to six months and then you had other collectors coming in joining the joining the race so like now it became like a competition like oh well soulful things drop volume three like you better hurry up man because like people are like they're on soulful things right now like when are you gonna drop gangster soul three Oh fuck! I gotta drop. I better hurry up and drop this and show up. That it became like a friendly competition, like because I would see what someone else brought to the table, and we were trying to outdo each other, and that just helped us push everybody as a collector, and it pushed up your game, and it helped everybody grow. Like I never saw that as bad competition. It was um, in the end, man. We just we helped each other grow, um, because we all tried to outdo each other and we had to go out and find deeper records get the baddest song you know so put the baddest outdo that cd and trust me man it was hard to outdo each other back in the 90s that was like the golden era of this music is when all that good shit that's why now in the 2000s like it's kind of hard to top those cds it really is as far as good quality soul music don't get me wrong there are some cds today that are being made um and i've never heard the songs but um i'll be honest i never i really don't care for those songs in the same token you know they're really rare extremely rare jams but they just don't do it for me not not like the stuff we put out and finished but the stuff we put out and finished and did already those are like classics now they can they got so burnt out and played out because they're so damn good they became like classics because now everybody knows them so now when you hear like a new cd drop and you got these new songs that never been heard before but you know what the the quality's not there like it was in the golden era of this rare soul like 
the songs are like they may have good beats but like the lead singer like has a deep dog voice like he sings like shit and um you know the beats badass but like the dude can't sing or like there's really no harmony and the beats badass one thing i'll give it is the beat the beats always there you know that's the main component of one of the songs but for me like you gotta have full-blown harmony that falsetto lead that sweet soul harmony uh full-blown background group going you have to have like all those factors going for me to really like get my attention i'm speaking on me personally right so do you think the people making cds nowadays are doing it because they love the music and they want to share it or do you think you're they're just doing it for the money i don't know so i mean how did, why did you do cds uh i initially did cds because i wanted everybody to hear what i found i'm sure that's why these people i'm sure that's why people are doing it now today if they're discovering something brand new that we never heard then they probably have the same feeling that i had and they just simply want to share it with everybody and, and get the credit for it that they broke that record that they discovered it and that uh you know their name goes down in history with it because you know in the end when we die hopefully i get to leave a legacy behind and i think that's the rat race with all of us too who, who are collectors that slash make cds you know there's plenty other C- there's you know what's crazy is there's collectors out there man who have crazy collections dope shit and they don't make cds they have no cds and you would think they would go down in history but you know what the the real truth is the only way you're really going to go down in history and be remembered is if you leave something behind for something to always look back on right like a cd or like an album or something like that I mean, you might get remembered for the next decade or two for being a dope-ass record collector and spinning at bars and dropping crazy records, but God forbid the day you pass on and another 40 years goes by, your name's gone. Like, No one's really going to know you. But someone who makes a CD, and if this culture keeps going the way it's going, like those CDs will get passed down. Passed, just like East Side Story. East Side Story was done in the mid-70s. And East Side Story is still a cult. A fucking cult. Fucking classic legend uh, CD right now. So those people doing rare soul CDs, I think the history is going to repeat itself in that fashion. So God forbid the day we pass on, we're going to leave behind a legacy, like a collection of 20 volumes. And that's work. And um, that's going to live on maybe who knows how long after we're gone. So that you get, you know, you get, to, you know, us collectors doing that. We know that part. We, we understand that that's what's going to happen or hope that that's what's going to happen. So I think that's a, one of the driving forces as well to like, you know, do something of quality when you drop a CD or an album or a USB stick or whatever you brand you with your name on it. So USB me, stick so, is the next. Nah, you. I don't. I don't know. Like USB stick. I don't know. It's cool, but I mean, I don't know. You could just make a. You could go on YouTube right now, stick a USB stick in your computer, and pick all your favorite songs, and just you know, there you go. So like, who's really gonna know if a collector does that with his collection? You're really gonna have to stress the fact that you're a collector doing that and then it goes to the point where like if you stress it too much in this culture of being chicano or mexican you know if you talk about yourself too much you get hated on because now you're bragging now you now you're talking too much about who you are and what you do and but god you're just trying to set you're just trying to let people know what you're doing but the way this culture is and the mindset of these people like they, they don't see it that way they see it that you're bragging or and you're barking too much and people don't like that so it's kind of it's a thin line to walk um, well how do do you think that we're going to continue getting the music out to people if even technology nowadays like i have a brand new car there's no cd player and i have a tons of cds like i love cds i love buying cds i think it's a great way to support an artist but how am I, a CD lover, going to get music from people that are still putting out music? Like, 
now everything is mp3 this and mp3 that i personally don't want to sit there and stick a usb uh, stick into a computer and drag everything one by one like i think that's just so how do you so, so, so how, how do i keep getting music so how do you when listen my car doesn't even have a cd player well what do you what do you listen to right now for music well now right now i mostly listen to the radio but i would love to be able to play my cds but i can't okay well the answer is in the question the only way well which music are you speaking of? are you speaking about soul music or I'm what thinking about like music in general like how do you can i can't answer that because this is this is a soul related podcast so right but I mean, I can't how really answer do that. i'm saying but from your perspective and the way you put music out how do you continue to put music out and get it to people where they still have a way to play that kind of, to play that music okay you want my answer yes here it comes for us to continue giving soul music to the people you need an innovator like myself, someone who could really think deep on this and have a simple answer. And the simple answer is this. You're going to have to change and restructure the game. And you're going to have to possibly... It, this is going to sound far out and crazy. But in order to keep this music going... And we understand there's no way to play in a car the CDs. There's no way, you know, to play. The, no one's going to do the USB thing. You, Like you said, you hear the music on the radio, right? So that tells me that if how are we going to get this rare sweet soul sound on the radio? Well, it's already happening. You got these bands that are recreating these soul oldies that are rare. And they're getting signed. I'm going to Starbucks. I'm going to Chipotle. And I'm hearing Jason Joshua on the radio. I'm hearing. Yeah, we heard him at. Yeah, I'm hearing the Sacred Souls on the radio. So my answer to your question in the next 20 years, how are we going to keep this music going? We have to rethink the box and understand that you might like like even me what i'm doing no one even knows this i'm letting this cat out the bag right now but i'm even singing my own oldies so it's gonna take it's gonna take someone to re diff, reinvent the wheel and we're gonna have to recreate these oldies that way the radio plays them that's how you're gonna continue hearing this style of music and the culture yeah it probably won't be the ogs that we're playing right now that you really want to hear but i mean it's either that or it dies off i mean if if, if none of us were to recreate this music and and, and pass it forward and, and have the radio play it like you said then it would just die with the cds because there would be no cars or cd players there'll be eventually no cd players period in 10 years probably and usb sticks will probably be a thing of the past and like you said people are hearing their music predominantly on uh live stream radio or like you know it has to get it has to become because uh, what's happening is you got um you got the riaa cracking down on all these bootleggers and everybody wants to get paid you know it, it's all about the money yeah. so everybody has to get paid for their work so um so I see it like the, the our scapegoat to get around that is if we hire these bands or these bands that are exist or these sacred souls that sound good, Joni Quinoa's, Los Yesterdays, and we need more bands and more outside the box thinkers to pick your favorite fucking oldie that you like and redo them and get them and and get it legit, get it licensed, because you could recreate it and make it sound close enough to where you could own that music. And then you get it played on the fucking radio. That's how we're going to keep this sound alive, in my opinion, for like in the next like 20 years from now. And I know it sounds crazy, but I'm already like, doing it. Like I'm already like, singing. I'm re-singing the song. It sounds almost exactly like the fucking oldie, except now I'm singing it and I own it. Right. So I could put it out. I could continue sharing it because I'm not going to have that problem no more of not owning it. Or it being only on CD and never being heard again. 
So that's my answer to how this soul music is going to continue on. Um, it may not be the original that we're playing on CDs. You just got to live this life, this, this time in life to like really enjoy that. But to keep the sound and culture going, we're going to have to recreate this music and own it and get it on the radio. I'm a genius. That's a great answer, Mr. Yeah, I got, I got the answers. You can have all the answers because you're the all-knowing. Um, <laughs> I think we're done this pot. I need a beer or something, so I'm going to take a five-minute break, and yeah. we'll be back. We'll be back. Hold on. Let's see if we... You should make it pay it away. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We'll be back. 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 We'll be